Hello once again, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Cam. And once again, we got exclusive guests. We've got legal consultant and uh, film buff, uh, Mark Anthony. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Appreciate Anytime. it. Anytime. And well, we're always revisiting a bunch of different movies and TV show franchises. And, you know, one episode just wasn't good enough for the hit TV show, The Unit. So I just figured, hey, let's summarize the best moments, the highlights, the just if we were to even just show the sh show to somebody like what scenes would we just pick up maybe find a clip of on youtube and just share with people just let them know hey this is the real deal <laughs> right right you know it's that show is at this point almost 20 years old it came out i in really can't 2006. believe 2006 yeah show is 17 years yeah. old and it's hard to believe it's that old yeah and, and this many dvd box sets later it's still commonly viewed on hulu and or seasons are bought off itunes or amazon it's uh pretty easy to find at even any thrift store you can find just about any seat you know it's just four years four seasons and uh, that's all it had yeah 2007 to Two, two, I'm sorry, 2006 to 2009. So yeah, yeah, it it was just out of this world. It, I think it was just well, what, what, how would you describe the fan base? Because it seems like there's many who know about it, but they didn't. They either didn't watch every episode, or they watched it for a while but couldn't keep up because that was kind of coming at the turning point when uh, every other show was getting canceled. I guess uh, right movie channels were trying to find something edgier tv was getting uh more taking more risk and not always paying and I off think the, <laughs> yeah. i think the show bounced around from dates and times too and that's that tends to be the death knell for any show that has a built-in following if you're used to watching a show at 8 p.m eastern on a wednesday next thing you know they've got it on friday at nine you know, you end up losing your fan base. I think that's part of, I think that did happen to this show. I'm not exactly sure because again, it's been been so long, but as far as the fan base is concerned, I know that me and several of my friends watched it because of Dennis Haysbert. Um, I'm, I'm a black man. I'm a military veteran. Um, not a badass like the unit was, but you know, I served <laughs> the country. Nice. And, um, you know, we like the fact that a black man was in charge of the quote unquote unit. And so that was the reason why we watched it. Um, I would imagine that you have a lot of red meat, you know, flyover state individuals because of the military aspect of the show. They yeah. probably liked it as well. Mm -hmm. I I mean, you get, you definitely get the gist of it just with the political dialogue and everything. And uh even i don't know if you noticed but uh, even like the co-creators kind of didn't necessarily always see eye to eye like you know it was based on eric l Haley's haney's uh you know delta force book which you know documented some declassified missions where it's like he couldn't reveal what the mission was or what have you but he could give you ideas as to how they do tactical operations like that and David Mamet was kind of going for a lot of his just rant-based commentary, and Sean Ryan kind of wanted more of a action drama, kind of like what he was doing with the FX show, the The Shield, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he would always, again, you know, give all the characters some moody uh, material to have to figure out, as well as uh, try and make sure they were vibrant, alive on screen, and uh, their own set of flaws set of highlights set of interesting intrigue and then i think yeah like you say it got rescheduled one too many times to where they couldn't come up with a fifth season i know they wanted to do the cast wanted to do a movie which they were denied and uh it it seems like it's it's out there but it's often just comes up as like shows you were watching if you weren't watching ncis or 24 or right what if network you was it on? I don't recall. Was it CBS? Yes, sir. It would come come on after NCIS and they uh, by 09, I guess they, despite getting the chance to finish up the show, they just kind of 
uh, just weren't able to broadcast it as much but uh it, I, I remember some fox stations because i think they owned it uh would rebroadcast it uh, every once in a while but yeah i i, I don't know what the deal is because I, I know there's a fan base of it out there i just don't know how many watched it and and even what like you say what what would it would be cool to see what the demographic was you know just uh military homes versus civilian homes right right i um so let me ask you this i've not heard your podcast before but who would you say was your favorite character oh man uh i mean obviously i was watching it mainly for dennis just you know so many great roles far from okay outside of snake doctor outside of snake doctor who would you say was your favorite character (laughs) okay shoot uh you know i'm gonna go with um uh hector played by demory barnes or really okay or or michael irby's uh character charles Charles, yeah charles gray and yeah uh i I loved how he was often he could just vary. You never knew if he was going to be a hothead one minute or pretty cool and laid back the next, but it'd be funny how they'd start the mission and he's being kind of a womanizer or something. (laughs) And then the next scene, he's like, ready to go. Let's go. (laughs) Right. 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 I would say for myself, my favorite character outside of snake doctor was probably Matt Gerhardt played by Max. Um, mm. Max has been somewhat typecast, I would say, because he's popped up in several different shows and movies where he's been the, you know, special forces military guy. It kind of makes you kind of wonder whether or not he had any type of uh, training himself. But he was in Captain Phillips. He was also in 13 Hours as, you know, that mm-hmm. military guy. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, he he's definitely was my favorite besides snake doctor on that show yeah so blunt so honest so like the man's really good with accents too i've seen him play so many gruff characters do all these multiple uh i mean even before that he was even on season 2024 as like one of the field agents and oh was he okay and that's funny as well they couldn't you know say you know any not safe to air language it'd be so funny he had just so many just kind of just looks on his face like <laughs> what do we got what do you mean the bomb's not at the airport <laughs> and what was his call sign i don't remember what his call sign was i don't recall his call sign but i i know he i, I liked how they would often make him be like kind of the primary sniper mm-hmm. uh, like everyone else would be like uh the distraction or and you know bob would even after a while sometimes be like the away team leader and snake doctor would either lead the team or just supervise it from afar seeing if it was going to go too far or what have you (laughs) it's just uh i mean i i do have to applaud all the missions for standing out they weren't you know they were trying to make it look as you know espionage themed as they could without it being necessarily you know a live action version of the A team. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I think his uh call sign was Dirt Diver. Max That's what it was, yes. Dirt Diver. Yes, yes. And so many stage actors who have either been in a bunch of David Mamet or Sean Ryan productions, as well as other uh video game voiceover actors and supporting guys who they'd often have be villains on here. Um I I, I don't do you have any favorite villains? <laughs> I can't think of any favorite villains off the top because, quite frankly, I've not seen a single episode in 14 years since it went off air. But a moment ago, you mentioned, you know, favorite episodes and one that immediately came to mind um, that I can kind of go into at the appropriate time was when uh, Jonas was talking, I believe it was with his father, who had a flashback when he was coming back from, I guess, World War II and was, you know, in a Southern town and had a run-in with some white racists. So that that's the episode that really stands out to me. I, I do recall that one. That one was good at just showing how, you know, I'm going to be the bigger man, but I am not going to let this idiot just keep mouthing off at me. And 
you know, pretend that I'm any less on American than him just because he can't put his prejudice aside. And there was always like they'd almost always get into just like kind of just their defenses never go down. They're almost always having to deal with someone who's just being a piece of work, you know, <laughs> whether it's right. an argument at the base camp. Uh, I mean, even just the finale of season one alone, where they're like ambushed by some of those war criminals while they're having getting a bite to eat. And then they all just stand up immediately and like take cover fire, dispatch them all. And then, and then I just love how at, at the end of it, there's like now uh the real battle uh can begins which is uh calm down all our spouses (laughs) right right Uh, we don't know how they followed us here but they followed us here (laughs) the war came home we'll try to make sure that doesn't happen again (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it was it was a it was a good action-packed show um i was invested in the characters um there wasn't Hector was the only one to me who seemed not as developed as some of some of the other characters. Yeah, I think they didn't know what to do with him that first season, except just have him being the guy chasing Tell. And then as like by season three, then they're just like, okay, let's have him pursue a relationship. He can't have it, but he's gonna try and get it even though and then we'll find other ways to make it hard where like you know everything like uh, he's like i think he encounters this one redneck farmer guy he's like i i i'll put it to you this way i want uh you know to propose to your daughter whether you approve or not <laughs> and right. it's right. interesting how he's om- again they're almost always fighting their own war they're almost always got some personal conflict it, it does make you wonder how they get any sleep (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean they had a lot going on back home as well as the missions that they were on um do you recall the episode that i mentioned a second ago when they had gone back to be with snake doctor's family do you remember Mm -hmm. what season and episode that was when he had told the story because if memory serves Jonas was telling his daughter the story of the grandfather mm-hmm. and about how he, you know, was coming back from someplace in uniform and he was being harassed by these racists or whatever. And the official word was, well, you know, he just went off and, you know, was the bigger man. But in actuality, grandpa killed a couple of them and then uh, stole a car and went on about his business. That's the way I recall it. Do you remember what episode and season that was? I, I don't remember the episode, but I'm I'm definitely thinking probably season two when his daughter Molly Blaine decides that she wants to join the forces. Okay, so it's in season two that she. I, that I she believe so. I, I I'm I'm definitely I'm always rewatching it, so I'm always finding something new on it. So I I, I will definitely take a look at it. <laughs> so do you have the box set, or do you watch it like on streaming? I, I I definitely uh, recommend Hulu. I think it's easier to just kind of just have playing and right. engage, and it's just such a easy to get into show. I I know it's a big deal, and at the same time, I also know that some people are just now getting into it, just like they right. are anything else, whether it's you know just Deadwood or Sopranos or even Mandalorian. <laughs> right. So I'm in looking at the the seasons and the episodes. I'm gonna guess it's season two, episode eleven. Silver Star is the name of the episode. Sounds about right because I definitely think there's some heavy conversation, and that definitely is and, and good catch because it, it was just so good that they developed the Blaine's uh, mm-hmm. just you know backstory and I again, Sean was a good uh, persona, just kind of get into stuff like, like that. That's hard to discuss, you know. Like right what what's right anymore and what's uh, how do we uh, all we can do is just talk about this at dinner saying hey different times and different place and uh it, it's interesting how uh all together like when he has to actually like uh blaine has to kind of become a realistic version of rambo and like save his daughter overseas that was just so well 
documented just showing how they have to plan they have to uh find some allies overseas as well as just other uh unlikely partnerships and people who can help right right um it, it was a well-written show was very well acted well directed um mm -hmm. I, you know this was for me this was much what must watch tv every week out. um now do you recall because i initially did not watch 24 so he um dennis haysbert went immediately from 24 mm -hmm. to this right yeah yeah he 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 did uh the first four seasons plus the season five premiere of the show and then by that he had moved on to the unit and it was interesting because it's like it was being its own dill while also kind of trying to get some of that same kind of 24 type audience it was interesting kind of parallel and it's like be different and yet attract some of the same uh crowd um and all together like he he kind of just did his own portrayal of this you know it's like i'm a different kind of commanding uh you know right 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 you know a lot of people may not have i, I want to say i'm gonna guess that this is when he hit his stride and popularity mm -hmm. in the 2000s with his appearance in 24 and then to a little degree um the unit but in the black community he's been known for a while because he was one of the love interests in uh 1992 1993's waiting to exhale mm -hmm. um he was also had a very very small role in heat which yes. i can't remember what name of what what year that movie came out uh, not, not 95 but yeah he was 95 doing, playing yeah. the getaway driver and that's right that's Major right Cook. Yep. yep that's right that's right with charlie sheen because yep. i completely forgot that was him because he had a bald head <laughs> that is exactly right and then he had the what was it cuban or puerto rican accent oh, totally yeah he yeah it, he's done all these different portrayals all these different accents and characters and i don't know how he does it i really don't because he he's very he's talented just, he's so underrated he's he shouldn't be underrated i'll put it that right. way because <laughs> Are you into comic books or anything of that nature at all? Yeah, I, I read those occasionally, and I, I I do find it interesting how he got so many DC comics, uh, you know, voiceover roles. <laughs> well, the re the reason why I ask that question is there is a character over in Marvel called Blue Marvel, and Dennis about 15, 16 years ago would have been the perfect actor to play that role. Um, the problem now is he's getting kind of up in age, long in the tooth, so to speak. So mm -hmm. kind of aged out of it. But yeah, with his very deep commanding voice, he would have been perfect in that role. Oh, totally. I'm sure he'll find something as long, because he's kind of just stuck mainly to TV for a while now. And right, uh, right. Uh, he's uh I mean, as close as it got to live action DC is he recently played God in the DC Vertigo show uh, Lucifer, which I recommend. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> with his 24 on screen brother, uh, DB Woodside, in that. Right, so. right, right. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, they even have a few other guys. Uh, but when they have to save the president in season four, that was kind of a wild. A uh, way to start off the show. Let's mm -hmm. find this new hothead who's, you know, going to be the president. And now, you know, let's save him from these crazy guys demanding a, uh, uh, you know, just a ransom that's not going to be given out. And now he's got to go save his daughter. And just it's so battle heavy. And yet, I I, re I really do care about the arc. And then I think he ends it with then his spouse molly also gets kidnapped by another mm -hmm. totally different crew and and that's before they get to the main 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 terrorist operative who's played by this one guy who was also on the shield just he was one of the other crooked cops uh i forget his name but 
I think it's David Reeves uh, Schnell, I think is how I pronounce it. But um, right. I want to say The Shield is probably when television took a turn. And I remember the first mm-hmm. episode of The Shield yeah. when Michael Chiklis's character killed another cop in like episode one. And yeah. that's when television started taking a more gritty, for lack of a better term, realistic turn and then you had the shield you had um sons of anarchy deadwood and a whole host of other programs mm-hmm. that were more visceral in their field even though you know the unit kind of falls in that category it wasn't as gritty as the others it was somewhat somewhat lighter to a certain degree even though you know you, it was a military show and you had people being killed of course in, in missions but it was not one that you wouldn't feel uncomfortable watching with your family. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like there are times watching The Shield or watching Sons of Anarchy, both of which I loved, I would not want to be watching with my mother. This one, yeah, I would I have, you know, the unit, I would have no problems doing that. Exactly. It just, it, it, because yeah, the, the Shield was doing, it's like it's kind of using a similar format as other crime shows like anything from goodfellas to uh homicide and svu and then uh, the unit's kind of trying to be kind of both a war show as well as a family show actually yeah a total family show i mean uh bob's spouse uh you know is being a, a radio host and i like how the manager of that station like finds that she's got a crazy fan who keeps like busting mm-hmm. through here and he like tosses the guy out of here and he's just like hey you're safe here i don't i'm, I'm not gonna let my guard down i'm sorry you had to deal with that it happens sometimes <laughs> right right and it's just tough to talk about material but like you say it's lighter it's not as over the top it's not i mean it's over the top but also not to the point where you can't keep up with what's going on or anything is like, no, you know, exactly what's going on. <laughs> right. What did you think when they added um, Sam's character? Uh, you know, kind of like the main terrorist baddie. It's, it was introduced a little too fast, but I, I, I think if the, the, the twists uh, uh, paid off, with with where they were going with that whereas like can we trust him even though he's an undercover guy <laughs> right because they had killed off hector he replaced hector on the unit right yes he did and i oh, oh that is a good contrast though because like yeah what when they uh uh you know nothing can redeem hector's death but i just love how they're just a, when they go on an avenging mission and they had the perfect uh actor i've seen him on 24 and sleeper cell uh the, the guy playing the terrorist leader was dynamite he was perfect and it just i loved how whenever they did a war cry you you felt it just however it was framed and however they the actors shouted it didn't feel like you know someone doing a rambo impression where you're just like <laughs> okay that's, right that works for a hollywood movie but that doesn't work for somebody where you're trying to keep them believable you know and, gotcha. uh, and i would even say they prevented themselves from going into implausible territory much like where 24 eventually went where you're just like okay come on you know, you know when when 24 first came out i poo-pooed it because i'm like there is no way on god's green earth you can do all of this stuff in a 24 hour period with no showers no bathroom breaks nothing like come on man yeah but it grew on me same here i i I, at first i was like there's no way i'm watching every single episode and then after all i was like well that was a pretty good presidential speech. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you bastards win. Damn it. <laughs> exactly. Damn it, damn it, um, damn it. But, you know, the, the the success of the unit led to a whole slew of right shows back. that similar. Irene was here before, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you had Valor, which was horrible. Um, mm-hmm. You had SEAL Team. <laughs> which is still going on, which is one of my favorite shows right now. Yeah. You have Six, 
And then there was another one that was on NBC that only had one year. Brave. That's that's the one, yeah. Brave. Brave, actually, Brave was of the ones that came out, Brave was probably number two underneath uh SEAL team for me. I really like the concept of that show. Oh, a thousand percent. And uh coincidentally, Sean Ryan is now working with this head writer of CSI New York on SWAT, which is, you know, was on that around the same time as SEAL Team. I am I'm caught up on both. And it's interesting how SWAT uses some of the same gangs, like the 49ers from the mm-hmm. Shield and mm-hmm. Sons of Anarchy. So they're kind of somewhere in that same universe. Well, I th- could have sworn that there's like this one gang that ambushes the unit in like the first season. And I could have sworn it was the 49ers. And then I swear I saw it on some Wicca page and then it was gone. And so then I was like, I guess they weren't the 49ers or maybe it was meant to be, but the writers decided that was too cute and wanted to keep it separate from their main <laughs> other storylines. But we'll return after these messages. Hello and welcome to Culture Shocked, the pop culture podcast brought to you by four aging millennials and our outdated opinions. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss movies, TV, games, and even music, new and old. Dude, what do you think you're doing? Are you seriously trying to record a promo without us right now? Well, uh, yeah. Dude, you can't just do the promo by yourself. Who's going to listen to that? Yeah, and you probably haven't even told them that we're a pop culture podcast where we always agree on everything. Uh, For instance, the Sam Raimi trilogy easily being the best of the Spider-Man movies. No, no. But I think we can all agree that Jaws is a classical masterpiece. Mm, nope, don't like that. But we do all agree that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is the best in the Skywalker saga, right, guys? That comment is so ridiculous. I don't even know where to. Anyways, be- uh, that'll do it from all of us here at Culture Shock. Thanks for listening. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, <laughs> not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. Right. Uh, it was interesting how, yeah, it's like it changed the whole, it's like you can show a war show on TV. It doesn't have to be just Banner Brothers, where it was one epic miniseries, one and done. You know, you can right. Right. make people, I mean, there's this one cool mission. I think it's like one of the first uh, solo missions that Bob does, and he's trying to keep this one passenger alive and well uh, after they crashed on like uh one foresty area like right. siberia or something and he's they do they definitely kudos to whoever's doing the foley um 
well, what would you say are some other cool stylistic choices that pay off? You know, nothing really comes to mind because again, it's been some years been so long, but, um, since I've since I've seen the show. Just certain episodes stand out. Um, for example, the Seer episode, and you had Hector uh, review. Well, he was under questioning, and he was basically oh, telling the plot. Yes. He was telling the plot of the Dirty Dozen and dropping those names. And that's always stuck with me as, you know, one of the funniest aspects of that show ever. Oh, totally. Like, in fact, in a way, it kind of almost influenced a lot of the other shows that were doing some kind of undercover thing. Even if they weren't about, you know, military, they would at least incorporate it into, hey, this is how these military federal agents work. Here's how these other undercover narcs work. It's kind of similar. Right, right, right. Just BS the enemy, just keep them occupied until... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think that was another underrated episode of season, the final fourth season where they decided to do a recon mission and I love how they they show just right up front and like the first 10 minutes just fail twice. And I love how Snake Doctor is just he's yelling regroup while he's still, you know, on his back. (laughs) And and it's kind of darkly humorous because you're just like, yeah, they're going to keep trying this failed, you know, practice mission. You know, you know, it's not real because they're getting hit by with blanks and everything. But, you know, by the time this episode ends, they will have passed this episode but you don't know how they're going to pass it because it just uh, and then in season one they had another similar thing and that's what was kind of interesting too was seeing what actor that David Mamet had worked with or other West Wing 24 person who was on the show and one person they got was Michael O'Neill who's been in a lot of the same kind of like Dennis Haysburg just a very compelling character actor no one knows their name his name but he's been in everything often as like chief of security and secret service agent or federal agent who's dirty and uh, i loved how they have him as a guy in a wheelchair who's having to like it's like they're having to retrieve some stuff for him because it's like he got something stolen from him by some gamblers or something and they're like we still got to be back in time because you know everyone's required at the military homes to be back you know in bed at a certain time (laughs) and meanwhile we're we got a again a gray area we got to break in rescue you and get this is like again is it it did always make you wonder how does jonas and company uh, how did how did any of them get sleep because they are always on the go they are always maintaining the home front that as soon as they get home the home front needs them (laughs) it's funny that you mentioned michael o'neill's name like I didn't know the actor's name, but when you said his name, I automatically knew important. who you were talking about. Without <laughs> no, I never knew his name ever. And what's crazy is I just saw Michael O'Neill in the phenomenal show on Amazon called Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. If you yes. like espionage, mm-hmm. spy stuff, and action, you got to watch Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. And I mentioned that because... In season two, I want to say Michael O'Neill, who was just mentioned, plays a senator um, connected to Jack Ryan. He, you know, he makes a pretty significant appearance in that season. So Mm -hmm. if you watch, like I said, again, I think it's season two, you'll know exactly who Michael O'Neill is because he he's been popping up all over the place. But he doesn't he's one of those career character actors. He'll never be the lead guy. But yeah. he's one who helps keep the show or movie going. Oh, totally. And he always plays just like a hard to describe person. And you never know if he's going to be a traitor at the end of it or mm-hmm. a good guy. He's always, and often if he's a character who's pulling a 180, then you really get that ultimate just like ah oh, you bastard you betrayed us <laughs> he's really good at just doing those surprises but yeah anytime in jack ryan and some of the other key shows i mean he's a dirty federal agent on prison break he's been in plenty of other 
uh, uh he's really good as uh the priest in uh this one drama uh starring alfred woodard uh god what was the name of that it was was it a recent. series or, was it a series or a movie uh movie and it was clemency that that was the name she was playing a warden who was kind of just feeling the burden of recent prisoners she's had to put down he was playing a priest who was giving people on death row their final you know moments to think right and I know the director of that. Uh, she's just did another acclaimed movie uh, just this last year. Uh, and uh, this is what's beautiful about all these actors is how they are all just kind of, they're, they're striving to assist each other and just really stand out amongst each other and just be part of the overall premise as opposed to, you know, I must hug the spotlight from someone else i know or i'm the star and no one else gets anything to do you know (laughs) right right and you know it's funny we're gonna go down a a rabbit hole real quick the director who you just mentioned who directed clemency the movie that she also directed recently was the movie till about what i'm thinking yes mm -hmm, mm -hmm, about emmett till's murder back in 1955 the director's name I'm going to butcher it. She's a Nigerian. Chinaway Chukwu is how I'm going to pronounce it. I know that's probably wrong, but she um, directed Till, which is the most recent movie, and mm-hmm. the movie Clemency. And you mentioned the star of Clemency that Michael O'Neill was in. The star is Alfre Woodard. Yes. The thing about Alfre Woodard is she's from my hometown of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, awesome. Not only that, but Alfre Woodard's niece was my high school class president. How about that? Man. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. So it all kind of <laughs> you, you get bragging rights. Bit. I wish I had bragging rights. All I got is Luke Devin Phillips or UTA. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I and now I'm interested in seeing Clemency because I, I didn't know this movie existed. It's about four years yes. old. I had yeah. no idea. You've seen it? Yeah, absolutely. And much like the unit, it's on Hulu and it's just Oh my God, that devastated me so so much. Just, okay, which is what it's supposed to. But I mean, it's it is a very well done, uh, uh, unfortunate drama just because it just shows you how, uh, you know, the, you know, there's been so many good prison movies just showing people wrongfully accused and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know having to survive in that, and then the office politics of that, and uh, you know, getting consideration for a lesser harsh sentence and this one's like they kind of just stride past it and just say hey here's what the difficult position that a warden has regardless of the politics and how she's got to pretty much say the final words to said prisoners you know do you want this and that before we go ahead with the electric chair right right and it's just a very it's it's one of many shows and movies that are really good at just talking about hard to talk about subject matter because we get all riled up nowadays and we just can't it's hard to talk about any of this really and um and going on to the unit though i i do love how it also kind of it's good at also just reminding everyone that these guys are all kind of brothers for each other, even if despite their like backgrounds, that. despite, you know, everything race, despite what their religious beliefs may be, because in a life and death situation, none mm-hmm. of that matters. You know, who you're part of a cohesive unit to try to accomplish a task, a goal, a mission. And you have to put all of that aside to get your job done. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that in life, too many people don't understand or realize that, hey, you know, we are all on the same team, even though we may have different personal goals or aspirations. Ultimately, these differences that people get up in arms about don't matter. And the unit is a perfect microcosm of that you know you've got your married guys you've got your single guys you got this and that none of what 
extraneous stuff matters when they come together for their mission. So exactly. Uh, I love how you know Bob's kind of the cool guy who overthinks everything. They're instantly like, that ain't gonna fly here. You need to just chill, dude. You know, and just and we're not telling you we're uh you know trying to cover anything up, but also like because they're going overseas on these miss- missions for the CIA, they're also having to just say, hey, we're going to probably do something that would be illegal probably in America. You know? <laughs> There's no probably about it, but yeah. <laughs> what episode yeah, no <laughs> What episode and season was it when they made it seem as if they were kidnapped? Oh, man. Because they were under suspicion of something. And the guys decided to, you know, basically go on the run. And then Molly comes home. She sees blood everywhere and, you know, all this other stuff. So they can't be arrested and they have to treat it as a missing in action type situation. You remember that episode? I'm trying to think of which one that would be. Because, yeah, there were definitely a lot of just on the run. <laughs> right. But this is one where they were on the run from the American military. Oh, season three premiere. Yeah. Yeah, and is I, that I, is that what that was? I I love that, and especially when Jonah's is like already in action. I love how everyone's telling him everything he already knows, and he's like, "Hey, no, that's fine. You're doing your job, but like, I already know how I'm going to play this." And I, he's just gotten done shaving his head, and next thing you know, I I love it. No, that that and see, I I love this. You're pointing us in the right direction of just some really key just key moments because yeah, that season three premiere. Um, I don't think that's my favorite, but I definitely love how that, yeah, that was a good change of pace. Just showing them is like, okay, for this first part of the season, they are going to be not, you know, again, unofficial working off the grid. And, uh, yeah, I love how, um, uh, Dennis's, uh, Jonah's just flat out, just like, he's just gotten done shaving his head. He just flat out. Uh, he takes out one of the assassins he knocks out the other guy, uh, contractor who's here to part of the hit squad here to kill him and he's he just starts questioning them after a few pistol webs he's just like okay who are you working for or this ends now and the guy's right. like screw you <laughs> they make it so quick and avoid all the cliches however the filmmakers proceed and it just it is just wild how they they did it that way there's like hey you know I'm not playing games anymore. I know how this ends each and every time. <laughs> you know, a moment ago we were talking about, you know, I'm not going to call them background characters. I won't refer to them as secondary characters, but support characters. Mm-hmm. And in the unit, one of the ones who I liked the most was a guy by the name, his, the actor's real name is Ricky J. And he plays this, basically the CIA agent. Um, hmm uh agent kern yeah and i just right. loved yes. how menacing that dude was i'm yeah. saddened saddened to learn that he died about five years ago mm-hmm. but um but yeah he was he was one of my favorite uh repeat characters from that show yeah they they did really good at uh and he he's one of the other guys who's been in just about every other david mammon production and loves pl- he was like actual like a master like card player and they would always work that into his in real life yeah (laughs) Uh, he'd be at the various like international like gambling (laughs) so so you're saying he was he was a real life poker pro so to speak yeah something like that and he would uh he he, that's why i i think that's where he met playwright david mammon and that's why he put him in all these different kinds of productions, including this one. And it was just interesting because, yeah, like you say, he, he's just so menacing. He's just very, he's just like this Delta team cannot have existed before. And then right. it's like they get some dirt on him and they're like, okay, uh, just turn the tables on you, but we're not going to wave it in your face. Cause guess what? <laughs> we're pretty cool. I'm like you. <laughs> so since we've mentioned David Mamet a couple of times, for those who are listening who may not know, he was a writer and director, producer. Mm-hmm. What would be your favorite outside of the unit 
mammoth written show or screenplay? It's a good question. Uh, I mean, because there's so many movies that Mammoth has done that, you know, he he just changed his name because he didn't originally author it. He was just rewriting it. Uh, but I feel like it definitely has shades of uh, Ronan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though he just was best known for rewriting that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, um, House of Cards, No Relation is a pretty good movie. Uh, the Untouchables, even Glengarry Glen Ross. You know, if you if you see any of his, oh, Oleana is probably another good one. That's just one location, one scene. But yeah, I don't think anyone really loses. Uh, there's been some mammoth productions lately that I didn't understand the appeal of, but. <laughs> for me for me to, to answer the question i just posed i would say probably the untouchables oscar winning movie the untouchables mm-hmm. would probably be at the top of my list i haven't seen some of the ones that you mentioned like i've not seen glenn gary i've not seen house of of games or oleana um hoffa was okay that he wrote um we're no angels. I never saw that, but the Spanish prisoner, I remember seeing that when I was in law school and I really, really, really enjoyed that movie. I haven't seen it since it came out. I want to say I saw it in the theater. So wild how it got a PG rating, even though it's a lot of intense material that is disgusting. (laughs) Right. Right. Really, really enjoyed that movie. Ronan is like, Ronan is really, really good. I really like Ronan. Hannibal was okay. Um, Red Belt is one that I don't think gets enough views or credit. It and really doesn't. Probably, I'm sorry, say it again. Yeah, it really doesn't. I don't know why. This was probably my introduction to Chiwetel Ejiofor. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, it was either this or Serenity were the two that put him on my radar. Um, that dude can really, really act. But um, Red Belt is one of those ones that people should really see. It was just, it was, it was unique. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was very good. Yeah. It was very good. Because a lot of times nowadays, a lot of the shows and movies are just repackaging or rehashes of things that we've seen, you know, Copy with cats. all the respect yeah. to the unit. It's you mentioned it earlier. It's like the eighteen, so to speak, except they're authorized or sanctioned. <laughs> yeah, you know. But Red Belt was not like anything that I can recall. Yeah, it's, it's already an uncanny MMA drama too. It's just showing you the ins and outs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, just how a mixed uh, underground fighter might talk. And I mean all this is just good stuff to know because like not everyone can write good dialogue you know <laughs> right treating characters so you know mammoth is it's cool and he's a he's a good writer and everything you're mentioning writing good dialogue and i know we're off on a slight tangent but i gotta ask this question good. who do you enjoy the dialogue that they write i've got two directors writer directors in mind who are my two favorite. And unfortunately, Mamet wouldn't be up there. I do enjoy his work. But as far as, you know, just sharp, witty, piercing dialogue, who would be at the top of your list? You know, I know this is going to be cliche. I'm also a fan of Aaron Sorkin. You know, I just, you know what? I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I were in politics, and that, that used to be my intention, was to go into politics. Oh, sweet. If I were not not anymore, not anymore. (laughs) But if I were, I would have to hire Aaron Sorkin to write my speeches because I was a West Wing nut (laughs) and um, the American president just very sharp. Yeah, I completely forgot about him. Yeah, absolutely. So you're saying Aaron Sorkin and who else? Oh, man. Another guy who's just dynamite. Probably we're going to look at various scenes i mean we could someone is great with dialogue um trying to think of someone who just did great speeches Ah. 
I'm sorry. What? No, 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 no problem, no problem. Well, while you're uh, thinking, I'm gonna I'm answer yeah. the question that I pose. I have two. Yeah, it's only And two these are my one. two <laughs> top favorite writer directors. And depending on the day and time, will determine who is my number one. But 1A is gonna be Guy Ritchie, 1B is gonna be Quentin Tarantino. Oh, okay, sweet. Those are the crime comedy guys, the ones who are good at just mm-hmm. really giving making you feel like these people are real you know mm-hmm. even if they're not you know and some of their dialogue is just so witty and i really like um i really like guy richie guy richie <laughs> guy richie's great and i was doing something yesterday and snatch i was watching some music videos or something and i was doing some work and snatch popped up on youtube for free I've seen Snatch, I can't tell you how many times, even though I've seen it before, I let it play nice. because it's just, the, the, I like the slang, I like the British slang, I like how he develops his characters, and if you've never seen a Guy Ritchie movie, start with Snatch. I know Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels is kind of off-putting to some people, Start with Snatch and also watch Rock and Roller. That informs how Guy Ritchie is. Mm-hmm. And he he kind of was coming in at that time where every other person wanted to be kind of like Tarantino, if not mm-hmm. Oliver Stone or Spike Lee, and he was doing whatever he wanted to do. But uh, uh, have you seen uh, Justified at all? dude it's funny that you say that (laughs) yes i have seen justified and i say it's funny you say that because just this is the beginning of 2023 Mm -hmm. probably around november or december i started with season one episode one of justified and rewatched the entire series because at some point i fell off the show i don't remember when or how same here i finally finished it last year just because i I had started it and I never finished it. I'm like, it's on my to-do list. I, I, right. I'm not in college anymore. I'd have no reason to have not completed. Right, exactly. And, you know, I, here's what made me say that I was, I don't know what was happening, but I just decided to start, start over and start watching it. And it was just so very good. And I've said that Raylan Givens is one of the top 20 coolest television characters ever thousand percent you know and it's very similar to an elmore leonard novel which is what you know the source material is based on but having graham yost and his writers who have you know they've worked on all kinds of things together including better brothers and they're all about just yeah show how these criminals are just vicious they Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're so hard to prove they're guilty just because they cover their footsteps so much and then even just going straight into hey you know it's just like how far can i go before i break the law you know and just everything is all you know all for nothing and you gotta organize your takedowns and like you say the dialogue is just very very witty without sounding too cute for its own good <laughs> and and the way timothy oliphant played the character just too cool for school, as they used to say. He was just mm-hmm. a very suave type Gary Cooper-esque character. And he, oh man, love that show. What was your favorite season, if you had to say? Oh man, um, I'm going to go ahead with him stopping Ava in the season five finale, where he's like, do you actually want to leave? Or are you just coming up with one more stupid, you know, chicken shit excuse <laughs> so but overall what was your favorite season if you had to say not just Ooh. a scene not just a oh, episode geez. overall season damn i guess i'd go with season two just because really having okay. all those cartels just come in and out there okay they're also dealing with again those crooked attorneys <laughs> for me it would be season three and nice. that's that's the season where Neil McDonough was the main bad. And he was just mm-hmm. talk about cool. Neil McDonough is that dude is just, he's cool. He's cool. Yeah. And, and you believed him, you know, all right. the 
villains are really cool to just see how they're just you know again they are just so full of themselves <laughs> and they're they think they're untouchable until they're not and then they just want to it's just funny how they they just turn around just like roaches and just instantly just start eating their own <laughs> and walton goggins i mean he chewed up every scene that he was in Oh, a thousand percent. As, I'm as really surprised. Crowd, oh, he was. He wasn't dude. on these other shows, you know. Right, right. Because I want to say the first time I saw him, he was in one of the major league, uh, like major major league two or three or something. Yeah, he was a major league three. Yeah, with mm-hmm. uh, limb from the shield. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And then he ended up on the shield. He played a somewhat recurring character in Sons of Anarchy, but on um, but on Justified as Boyd Crowder. I mean, he was just he was the man. He was really really cool, and I like whoever the writers were on that. The dialogue the main... that they gave him and um, what's my man's name? Yeah, uh, he was the main focus basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Raylan, God, I couldn't uh, lost his my train of thought, but yeah, the dialogue they gave those two specifically, beautiful, yeah. absolutely cool, dynamite dialogue, great stuff. And you know, going back to the unit, and that's one of the things that I'll say. Like I'll remember scenes and things of that nature, but there was never anything that made me think, "Oh my God, this is you know stellar dialogue or whatever." That's not a knock on the show by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it was a fun show. It was a good show. I enjoyed it. But as far as the specific dialogue and the feeling that I as a viewer got while listening and watching it, I didn't get that from the unit the way I do, you know, like a Guy Ritchie movie or in just or even um, God, what's the other show? Deadwood, you know, just different feels, different feel. Oh, totally. It's a it's a very careful act that is for sure because it's like they're we're trying to just really be as in the moment as they could uh without like you say just taking people out of it or just being too stylish you know right like it's just that's a good word that's a very good word it was not easy necessarily (laughs) stylish yeah (laughs) but it was good it was it was good i enjoyed it i was sad when i went off the air but you know we've got the replacements um for it you know we the shows that were mentioned earlier and it seems like seal team is the only one that had the legs because all the others they bowed out after you know a season or two i don't think any of them made it past two seasons yeah i think they either i mean walton goggins was even on six but yeah i think uh, a lot of them were just kind of that's right he was wasn't he yeah very yeah, that, well i forgot about that yeah yeah i i think they just didn't market him the best or it could have been kind of like in 07 08 when they were trying to do various war on terror films and right the box office just wasn't there so almost all of them kind of silently faded away and found an audience afterwards and people were like oh why didn't you find an audience i'm like it was kind of just too current no one really wanted to talk about any thing involving the middle east you know Plus, the market was saturated. I want to say that all of those shows came out within the same two, three years. Oh, yeah. Over There was another one. And I think I don't remember it. that one. Uh, yeah, it, it was another FX exclusive. It was produced uh, by Stephen Boschko and YPD Blue. And it just okay. it was gritty and really cool. But it was also, I think, because that it came out almost a year before the unit. And it was just, I think that's just it. The unit just survived because. They were dealing with more than just uh, uh, the Iraq invasion or any other just predicament. They were dealing with all kinds of third third world, uh, you know, country exploration and, and impossible missions. So I, right. I think it definitely was more for a Mission Impossible type of crowd. Right, right. Yeah, it was good shows, man. It's good shows. It's still actually like the number one most visited page on the internet movie firearm database. <laughs> Which is uh, the 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 unit is like the most visited one for people looking for guns. Really, like, in movies, like just to see 
how it's demonstrated and everything because apparently like uh, I, I can let you uh, chime in on this on whether there was realistic gunplay or anything or training but it's uh, always yeah uh, people wanted to know what some of the submachine gun models were actually that makes sense that makes sense that makes perfect sense because I'm not gonna lie there are times when well with the John Wick franchise I do that specifically like there are YouTube channels dedicated to the to the guns and weapons in the John Wick franchise and <laughs> I'll create my shopping list I was watching it just this past weekend there is a particular uh handgun that was you know five seven thousand dollars now obviously I won't be getting that but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know being able to see what type of weaponry is being used in a show or movie is pretty fun and interesting to see if it's right. something you can get your hands on because I you know I'm advocate for the second amendment and all that other good stuff so yeah I totally it's all about just kind of I mean it's a harmless side altogether and that just is showing again you know what weapons are used on screen whether they were used realistically or not and uh all it does is really just also give you a uh, people the opportunity to see you know what's being again you know what's what was utilized on screen and is it generally used for that you know that division is it right and it's cool when you can have that that mixture of uh, what, realism what side is that by the way uh yeah uh m uh but it's spelled kind of like imdb but internet movie firearm database so oh, okay uh, i am uh f uh, uh db yeah okay <laughs> yeah. and it's uh but all together i mean uh, anyone wants to find any moments uh of this show you can definitely find even more youtube clips than before you can find again a dvd pack i think there's even a blu-ray set of the show if i'm not mistaken i can look it up real fast but so many laser disc you'll really be saying something (laughs) (laughs) let's see okay yep there's a Blu-ray of season four. Here's what's here's what's interesting. Um, as we've been talking just now, I started mm-hmm. looking up all of the other shows that came out after the unit. The unit ran from 2006 to 2009. It had four seasons. But there were a host of copycats, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. shows that came out. We mentioned it before, Valor, SEAL Team, which is currently ongoing. You had six. You had Brave, The Brave. That's one, two, three. That's four shows that were progeny of the unit. And what's crazy is all four of those shows debuted in 2017. All four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Valor, SEAL Team, Six, I couldn't believe Brave. It. <laughs> All of them came out on, on in 2017, and only SEAL Team is the one that had the legs to survive until this very day. And it makes me wonder, as a viewer, what was it about SEAL Team that the other ones didn't have? I think they just were more familiar with the actors who had been in everything from Twilight to Bones and what have you, and it was easy to follow, well acted, but I think that's just it. I mean... It, it does get to that point where it makes you wonder it were less people uh, watching cable at these times or network TV or was it coming in at a just again you know you can't predict success I, I think right, it was just I think it was just kind of coming in just when not only were we getting into more political and culture wars I think we were also just this was when people were realizing oh by the way blu-ray is here to stay uh dvd here to stay cable tv and streaming it's also here to stay so it's up to you on whether you want to cut the cord or not you know <laughs> right, right. Uh, 
but yeah, the unit and the still team you can, you know, find on Hulu and Paramount Plus, respectively. Wait, the unit is on Paramount Plus? Uh, uh, not, 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 not the unit, but I just, uh, respectively, like it's on Hulu oh. and still teams on Paramount gotcha. and that's where they're continuing have, it. Yeah. I don't have Pluto anymore, but, um, now you've got me interested in going back and revisiting the unit. As I said, I've not seen a second of an episode since it went off the air and, and, oh, nine. So, yeah, that's crazy. Well, this has been a good talk, man. I do appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Had me thinking about stuff that I haven't thought about in years, like literally years. No, all good. I, I think it's a show that it there's definitely fans of it out there. And I, I always love talking about some of these cult movies and shows because it kind of reminds everyone why they, you know, love setting the VCR or DVR back in the day. And right. <laughs> Or rushing home if you didn't have that type of stuff so you can be in front of the telly. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Where you had to just, I must fight uh, rush hour traffic. Just right, to get home. right, right. It's my Friday. <laughs> Make sure my hunger man dinner is all cooked and ready for me. Yeah, when those TV dinners. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the lawn is mowed. <laughs> well, listen, man, if there's ever any time that you want to discuss some other show and it's one that I've seen, I'm more than willing and happy to come on and you know it. spend an hour and just <laughs> chit chat. Absolutely. You know it. You know it. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Anytime, anytime. I'm glad you could join in the fun and hopefully we gave enough of a tease for those who are probably just starting to get into this addicting show that again, there's an audience out there. It's just hard seeing what uh uh where the popularity began and ended, you know, like right. Uh I, I think people just had trouble keeping track of just too many shows at that point, and hopefully people can stop giving excuses and just learn to enjoy all the stuff of the past and present. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for having me, man. Anytime. Glad you could join and glad this was a fun layered chat. <laughs>